0: Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly, and today I'm talking to two of my favourite people in women's cycling. If you've seen any images of women's cycling, you think, oh my god, that's amazing, like I do all the time, then it's probably come from these guys. Fellow focus are Sean Robinson and Ballant Hambus, and they're here today to talk about what life's like on the road as a cycling photographer, as well as their exciting, really exciting new book project that you should all rush out and sign up to. Um, hi guys, first of all, Ballant, say hi so people can recognise your voice.
1: Hello, I'm Valind, and I'm one half of Valet Focus.
0: And Sean?
2: Hello, I'm Sean, and I'm the other half of Valet Focus.
0: This is your second full season of Working Together. Can you just tell us a little bit, a little tiny nutshell, about how you got here and what you do?
1: Sean's been on the women's kind of circus for a lot longer than I. Back in 2015, while I was doing my first season, I figured that it would make sense to join forces because I've seen Sean's work and I thought he was the kind of photographer who I would be happy to be associated with. I wanted someone to partner up with if possible whose work was excellent and so that's why I, I proposed this idea of working together with Sean after the last stage of the Gia Rosa in 2015 and then after a bit of deliberation he said yes and um, well I think the deliberation was how is this going to work and after ironing out the details we surprisingly quickly agreed on on most things the the only problem was how shall we call this little endeavor and we were just (laughs) throwing around awful lots of really really bad ideas and then Sean said at one point in December when we really needed to come to a conclusion because we had to set up a company we certain clients you know they wanted us to build them so okay why don't we just use value focus and then we just kind of became and remain value focus if that makes sense
0: and Sean you started off as a fan of women's cycling who kind of expanded into being one of the main people who catch the main visuals of it
2: women's cycling first came on my radar probably 2011 when um i saw them at omni pet newsblatt and before they just hadn't been on my radar at all <laughs> i then came back tried to find out some more information about women's cycling and there wasn't a lot so i then started trying to track down some information on races and then thought well I may as well share this with people as well. So put together a website and then just started publishing the race information that I found and it kind of evolved from there but that was all around having a proper job I guess. (laughs) So after a while writing about the races I figured I should probably go to some and took my camera along and just carried on from there really.
0: So when Balant, this tall Hungarian dude known for his amazing cyclocross photos, suggested this, what did you think?
2: I don't know. It sounded like an interesting idea. It's quite a lonely job doing it on your own all the time. Mm-hmm. And the chance to do it, if the two of us working together, would be a lot more beneficial to both of us. Not just in terms of money, but a better work-life balance as well. Whilst we're away on the road a lot, it's not as much as it is if we had to do everything ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. I guess you also get that advantage of it's quite difficult to be a cycling photographer, isn't it? Because you simultaneously need that standard photo of the winner coming across arms in the air and then maybe the next group coming in and the next group coming in because you get paid to do that. While at the same time, you've got the interesting stuff happening behind you as riders finish the race and and, uh, you know, either ecstatically happy or incredibly pissed off or just exhausted. And so just being by yourself, you can't be in two places at once, right?
2: Personally, I'd happily never shoot a finish line photo. (laughs) (laughs) I find it really stressful as well. But yeah, the two of us working together at races like the Giro and the Women's Tour, it gives us a lot more flexibility.
0: Yeah. Does it make you feel more confident knowing that there are two of you working together?
1: Especially when last year we started to work together, I can't remember which race it was, but we were just like, okay, I'm not going to get to the finish. Can you please do the finish for me? And that's a huge relief because what we do sometimes is that one of us does the finish and the other one does after the finish or before the finish. Like Sean took an amazing photo in 2015 in one of the uh, Giro Rosa stages. He caught Evelyn Stevens just kind of sprinting out of corner. That was a shot that, you know, I never could have taken because I was behind the finish line. So we tried to play with this last year at the Giro, so quite a few times that he would arrive at position myself either behind or before the finish line and and try to catch moments that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to. So on the one hand, it gives you a lot more kind of freedom to play with things. And at the same time, it's also a a safety net that you know that if all goes wrong, there's a backup plan with Sean. And I think the, the other implication is that thankfully it hasn't happened to us yet but if anything happened to us uh, last year when I was at the uh, Elsie Jacobs race and one morning I woke up on the first day and I just couldn't lift my arm and I was in in serious pain and um, it turned out to be a false alarm there was there's was nothing it just I probably slept on it but I called Sean and Sean said yeah well I mean he wasn't crazy about the idea of of driving to Luxembourg for six hours straight but if it, the worst came to worst and I, I was in so much pain that I couldn't do the job he could have come there and picked up the task so it gives an overall sense of safety for us that you know if something happens to me or if something that happens to him the other person can pick things up and carry on
0: mm-hmm. and how do you toss the coin for then who does has to do the annoying jobs like the finish line or do you enjoy the finish line balance where Sean doesn't?
1: Just one day him and the other day it's me. Or it depends on what spot we choose or who's in the bag. It's not coin it's more like... What works yeah. logistically.
2: Yeah. There is always that element of doubt when you're not doing the finish line. I'm sure Balan said he was doing the finish today.
1: I hope he <laughs> <it's. laughs> I'm not getting there. <laughs> there was one stage, yeah, this year when I think we just texted each other like, who's doing the finish line today? And so... <laughs>
0: You don't both go to all the races. That's correct. How do you decide who gets to go to each of them?
1: There's a list of kind of desirable races. And there are races that are less glamorous or difficult to get to. And so I think what we've been doing is that one year, one of us does the exciting race and then the next year, the other one. And same goes for uh, for the less glamorous races. So that's how I did Tour of California last year. And then this year I did Dottie so...
0: Which one was the exciting one? Dottie (laughs) Tell me about your new book.
2: So we've been talking about doing a book for, well, longer than we've been working together. I think even the first time we met, we spoke about the option of doing a book.
1: I think I showed you uh, one of my cyclocross albums, the the one that came out at the time. Yeah, I think it was at the Women's Tour.
2: Mm Mm-hmm three years ago probably. It's going to be a coffee table style book, similar to the ones that Balint does for his cyclocross season, where we'll be looking at including all our favourite photos from the year and having a bunch of great articles written by some of the best writers in women's cycling alongside the photos.
1: I think our aim is to offer some kind of a chronicle to the season it's not going to talk about every race or every race day it's not not going to have every finish line shot in it more of a try to find a narrative within the season
2: there's just too many race days for
1: us to try and cram them all
2: mm-hmm.
0: in mm-hmm. basically it's photos it's writing who've you got writing
2: so at the minute we have um yourself owen rogers who writes a lot for cycling weekly and murray from cycling tips and jesse
0: Jesse Braverman, who's the PR genius behind Bowles-Dolman's cycling team. That's the one. And I should say that all the contributors are being paid, right? This isn't one of those things where people give you the excellent opportunity to gain some exposure by writing for free for them.
2: (laughs) No, it's, it's a commercial venture, so everyone's being paid.
0: And you're doing it by crowdfunder.
1: Why? I've done, I think now, six books about cyclocross i funded the first four on my own and the last two through kickstarter and it's very difficult to gauge the demand for these books and it's something that i have struggled with for a long time uh, with my cross books and, and i think there's not not a lot of risk in it because if it doesn't happen if you're not going to reach our target is the book's not going to happen so you know no harm done in in a way but if it turns out that there is enough demand for this book then it's a fairly straightforward way of financing it so that's why we thought that kickstarter is probably the best way to do this
0: i should say i, I think i've bought a couple of books of balance through kickstarter <laughs> I, think I've got, I think i've got three or four and i love it because it means that if i'm feeling rich i can throw you an extra fiver for example to, because i love your work balance i love your work balance <laughs> <laughs> I love your work too, Sean. It enables people to not just buy the book, which is awesome, but also feel like as a Kickstarter financer, feel like we're part of it. Is that something that you're that excites you, motivating the fans? Especially because you both come from a background of being fans first, right?
1: It helps a lot for us to spread the word because otherwise it would be just us shouting into into the void. Whereas with Kickstarter, everybody kind of have to chip in and everybody feels a bit more involved with the whole project and in return obviously we're offering different rewards like you know there's one level where you can have your uh, name in the book so it's it's kind of an interactive relationship yes we have a lot closer relationship with our readers than in a normally published book
0: Hmm. and sean this is the first time you've done this but of course you've done your calendar before there's been other things that you've done how are you feeling about going into it
2: really excited about it and the calendar's back as one of the rewards
0: i know i'm (laughs) so excited i'm genuinely excited if you don't know sean did a calendar a couple of years ago which i bought it's ace it was great it's just like one of those things that you know you have it on your desk at work or whatever and every time you see it you smile because here's sport that you love with a really great photo you love but this is obviously a bit bigger
2: it is a bigger project but there's the comfort behind being able to know the demand for the product Mm -hmm. in advance And as Ballin said, if if we don't raise the money, then the book won't happen. But that's a lot better scenario than us producing an entire book and then no one buying
0: (laughs) (laughs) it. Yeah, and I mean, it's also going the other way around. If the book happens and people go, oh, bloody hell, I wish I bought it on the Kickstarter, there's still going to be the opportunity to buy it, right?
1: Yes, probably there's going to be a few copies left over. So like in the last two years, literally in February, when my Kickstarter Campaign finished, and twenty minutes later, someone emailed me. It's like, oh, I just saw about the Kickstarter campaign, and can I still kind of chip in? So it's like, yes. (laughs) So yeah, if someone misses out, you know, it it happens. Then we can obviously we're going to print a few more, so it shouldn't be a problem.
0: Cool. And how are you feeling about it? How's it going so far? Because you launched it this week only, didn't you?
2: Yeah, we're three full days in now, and we're just under ten percent of the target. So. It's ticking along. The main reason we've done it over this period is because we'll have fresh content to share yep. every day going through the Jiro, yep. which we're hoping will help raise additional awareness because you don't feel like you can just keep shouting, buy my book on social every <laughs> 20 minutes or so.
0: <laughs> I don't know, it works for balance.
2: Yeah, you have to mix it up a bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love Balance Book. And obviously, I see it as a success story, a massive success story. You know I own it I show it to everyone I promote it but are there risks in this and are there risks that are different to the cyclocross book
1: I think one of the risks, which essentially happened to me last year was that we are going to be delayed my delay was due to a number of facts some of them were within my control and others weren't like the theft in Italy He took everything that we had. Let's not dwell on the past. (laughs) (laughs) We still kind of remember that quite kind of... uh, Vividly. Not fondly. It's a a vivid memory between me and Sean. So I think one of the promises that we made in the video and what you're making that you're going to get the book before Christmas, and I think one of the risks, it might happen, there might be some sort of delay in the production that might kind of put put that in jeopardy. The thing is, we're going to be using the same printers I've used up until the, the last book, and the one I'm will be using for my current cyclocross album. Who are a bit slow, but reliably slow in a sense that <laughs> it takes a month to do the whole printing process. But it always takes a month, so we calculated that month into the process. But then there are some contributors who are late, and that's quite difficult to, to tackle because you have a you have a slot for, um, say, I know six pages and the text just doesn't arrive, doesn't arrive, and you're waiting and you're sending emails and it's not arriving, it's not arriving, and it's just... And that's something that you can't really do anything about. You just hope that people will deliver stuff on time. So I think that's probably the biggest fear of mine, we might not be able to shoot before Christmas.
0: What about you, Sean, having never done this before?
1: Um, No, I'm quite relaxed
2: about it, really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're a relaxed person, though, aren't you?
2: Yeah. In a previous life, I did used to run lot of print on publications,
0: yeah,
2: which probably had a few more copies than we're going to be making. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's not something that really concerns me. The tightest period we have really is the, after the World Championships. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to get that section finished within 10 days to make sure that we can get the book to print in time and then ship in November. Mm-hmm. Most of the other work will then be done as soon as the Kickstarter finishes, or before if we reached a target in advance, where we'll be commissioning the writers for their specific articles. We already have a designer who's starting to work on the layout, so I'm feeling quite relaxed about it, to be honest.
0: (laughs) I guess having both of you with your skills that you bring also means they're not so much like like the cyclocross book is balanced. It's not just on your shoulders.
1: This kind of goes also back to the whole working together with Sean uh, theme as well, that for most of my life up until, you know, we started VeloFocus together, I didn't really have anybody who I could just ask questions or just bounce ideas off. And now if we don't know... The answer to something. I can all just always, you know, send an email to Sean or always just call him. And so, yes, this will make the whole thing a lot easier. That there's someone who can, who can make a decision instead of me. If I'm on holiday, he can do things while I'm away. So, yeah, we can share the load in this matter as well, and that will make life a lot easier.
0: And what are the stories you're excited about sharing about this season?
1: I was very pleasantly surprised by the um, upcoming um, Sari and Bira races because I've only been to to the Basque Country once, and for a very short period of time, and I was just blown away how beautiful it was. Mm -hmm. And I knew nothing about this race. So I think it's one of those kind of hidden gems that I would love to show to people.
0: What about you, Sean? What's excited you this season?
1: My favourite
2: races are probably still to come. I have a real soft spot for the Giro, obviously next week, and also Sweden as well. But this year I... Really enjoyed China, which people give the race a hard time, but after three months of Belgium, it's just great to have something completely (laughs) different. Mm -hmm. It's not
0: surprising people give the race a hard time. It's a very, very, very small island to fit three stages of a race into. You can't really change the parkour year on year that much, right?
2: No, but the island's quite big. But um, it's no different to a Dutch race, just with slightly bigger roads and... A completely different architecture and landscape. Big flat straight roads with corners every so often.
1: <laughs> Balen, do you have a favourite photo from the year so far? Um, I really enjoyed the London stage of the women's tour, and I know that this wasn't the first time that the women's peloton visited London. You know, there's been a number of ride classic races there, but I think it was very exciting to see how we just circled around around england and then ended up in london the other big surprise for me was last year the lady store of norway which is in a way quite similar to swedish race the mm. but obviously being four stages this year it's going to explore even more of norway and i was just blown away how beautiful that was so i'm really looking forward to going back there and and doing more of that
2: it's a race that has a really nice atmosphere and identity as well
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's run
0: by the Muberg family, isn't it? Emilia Muberg's dad and mum and her local club. So it's it's run by absolute passionate fans, Norway, isn't it?
2: Yeah, they, they all get involved.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's no one in the family or friends who's not connected somehow.
2: But they're very good about not just making stages that are suitable for Emily, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think she'd prefer it if they weren't, but <laughs> yeah. it's such a nice atmosphere. And... One of the things I love about both of your photos is you seem to try really hard to share not just the racing, not just the hands in the air, but the backstage, what it feels like to be there. At least that's what I get from looking at your pictures. Is that deliberate? or?
2: It is. Uh, I like those quiet moments, the bits that you don't see on the front page of the newspaper or magazine or whatever it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I like seeing the interactions between people and the fun moments and I think they add a little bit more to the story.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Cycling is about more than just who wins.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it been difficult? Because obviously you work for a number of teams, but you're taking photos that are more than just, like, you know, you couldn't just have a book that was full of Cervelo or Canyon Shram, Bors Dolmonds, and other people who pay you. Have you been taking photos all season kind of with one eye on the book? Or is it just that that's just what you do anyway?
2: It's kind of what we do anyway. Of course, Mm -hmm. we keep an eye out for our teams and shoot them as much as possible. And we're grateful that they're usually quite well represented at the pointy end of races, which makes it easier. But, (laughs) you know, we're capturing the entire race at the same time as obviously looking out for those teams. They become some of your favourite teams, but then you also develop a soft spot for others as well where they're just fun to shoot.
0: Who's your favourite who's not on the roster at the moment?
1: My favourite team?
0: Or rider. Who's fun to shoot?
1: I think f- for me it's always... I would say in any given race there are a few usual suspects who will, in terms of teams, betting on bulls to win the races doesn't take a rocket scientist to do that. I really enjoy the moments when someone unexpected wins and because it happens reasonably rarely they're just so happy and they a lot happier than than someone who's kind of used to winning and for me those are really fun moments to shoot regardless of you know who who that is one of the tricky thing like you know the longer you do this the more people know you and quite often it happens that riders during the race just see us and they just kind of smile at us or um, just wave at us and we catch that moment and while it's kind of you know it's nice to, to know that they like us but it kind of sometimes ruins it an otherwise perfectly nice picture
0: <laughs> you mean you'd rather have them like suffering looking looking like they're Indeed. in pain and pissed off <laughs> and suffering like a dog and then they go ruin it by grinning at you
1: instead of giving a thumbs up and, and smiling <laughs>
0: So basically, dear riders, your equivalent of smiling at Balance and Shawl is to look really unhappy and like it's hard work. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> it looks like you're trying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I really love those pictures of Cassia and Iodoma in the women's tour, for example, where there was, on the Saturday on, the, on stage four, where she had to follow every move and make it mark every attack. And it was really hard work. She didn't have the strongest team. And yet she was still like, Every photo on Twitter from every photographer was Cassia smiling and waving at them. I thought that was adorable.
2: Yeah, she's well. Certainly in the UK, she certainly earned herself a lot of fans that week. The media and the fans on the roadside really seemed to engage with her. But you know, she's one of the stars of the peloton now.
0: Yeah, yeah. It felt like a lot of people in big cycling were seeing that for the first time. But that's how I see Cassia Nuodoma. You know. it it must be quite interesting being part of those people who are creating the narrative about things like that
2: it is you know over time you get to know riders personalities and how they act and you just wish more people got to see that
0: yeah so is that one of the reasons why you're doing the book
2: yeah we want more people to get engaged in women's cycling we can't be the only advocates, but if we can help a little way in sharing some of those stories in the book, then that's a great thing.
1: I think that was a really important thing, what Sean said, to show more about how great these athletes are and all these stories. Like One of the stories, for me, Niova Doma's win of the um, the women's tour was quite poignant because you can see her, she's, she's always up there, she's always top three top five she's always she's a good climber she's a really really good cyclist and yet she very rarely wins races and i think to win a major race and such a hard race
0: and in such style
1: and in such style and even after the fifth day responding to to journalists really kindly and and cheerfully and just generous with her time and and everything i think that's that is that is fascinating and to show that to people to learn more about her, I think that's that's also an important part of the book.
0: Excellent. What's been your highlights and lowlights of this season so far, knowing that we're going to have a long way ahead of us?
2: Um, my highlights this year were Chongming Island and California.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was a long slog doing the two and a lot of hours spent in a plane. But I've... Really enjoyed that block of racing. It had great variety. The quality of the racing and the excitement in California was great. And the scenery for the first two days is just breathtaking around Lake Tahoe. Whereas on Chongming Island, there are so many fans <laughs> on the roadside. Every town you go into is packed with people. That was a highlight for me, although I definitely needed a rest once California was done.
1: So for me, it was probably the Amarcoma It was just so breathtakingly beautiful. I think it was five stages. And every day you just drive around and it's like, wow, did I have to come back here? This is absolutely beautiful. I really enjoyed covering that place because it was just so, 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 so beautiful.
0: Cool. And any lowlights or anything that's been difficult?
1: When we... You and, and, you know, you, Sarah, and, and I was driving around all the way up to the Netherlands and uh I vented my anger. About race organisers, how bad the information... I think, OK, so the Amakamian Bira also goes to the worst race in terms of the information that they provide. The maps that they provide for the stages are just abysmal. In this day and age, when you have Google Maps and very simple and great tools to create brilliant maps. It's just unforgivable. Uh, it makes <laughs> life so... Th- these are simple things. And the other thing my other pet hate is uh, raise accreditation. I have to request accreditation and the hoops that we have to jump through. And I know this is our first work problems and in the grand scheme of things, it's okay, but it just makes life so difficult. And I, I'm i just so puzzled by this. And I, I just... Uh, i want these people to go through all these things that we have to so they understand what they're doing to us
0: <laughs> one of the things i always miss is back in the day sean used to do race profiles which all the riders all the peloton used to use rather than the official race books um are you ever going to do that again sean
2: i do end up doing it now i just, <laughs> <laughs> just I, don't, share it. I don't do the whole review and the profiles but i still like to map all the courses so I know where they are. I'll go through and check on Street View beforehand and have all my pins put in the map on my phone so I know where I want to stop and when. Or if a road's closed, I thought I was going to take a shortcut on. What's my plan B? Can I do something else? And that was kind of something that I appreciated at the women's tour for the first time, was the longer stages is how much easier it makes to cover a race. That <laughs> <laughs> was saying about Beer. A lot of those stages were what between fifty and eighty kilometers. Oh yeah, and you can't do a lot in that time. Yeah. Whereas suddenly, if a race is one hundred and fifty, you have a lot more options. Yeah. So that's a positive thing. The the increase in length. I don't agree with just having races longer for the sake of them being longer. Mm -hmm. But it does make our lives easier. (laughs) Although I slightly longer.
0: (laughs) Have you got any things that have been challenging for you this season?
1: Um, not really. <laughs> I was trying to think while Ballant was speaking. I think the, the the big challenge for us was that our motor driver, Chris, he was diagnosed with MS.
2: Oh, goodness.
1: This happened after, like, a few weeks after to Flanders. So we just had to kind of rethink the whole rest of the season and how we're going to do this. And I think we came to the conclusion that we will try and do... Just this year to do without a motorbike and just make do without a motorbike and just, you know, for the bigger races we would go there together anyway, so there is probably as much ground, you can cover as much ground together in two cars than you can on a motorbike mm-hmm. but that, that was definitely a setback that we didn't really see coming in January
0: Yeah, and is he okay?
1: Yeah, um, at the
2: minute he's fine he's not really showing too many symptoms so it's just a bit been a bit of a shock
0: yeah yeah of course you someone you work with you're going to be worried about him quite apart from the work side right
2: during the spring i do most of the races with chris Mm -hmm. so you know to hear your friend has been diagnosed with a condition that doesn't really have a cure it's obviously upsetting yeah but You know, we wish them all the best and we stay in touch.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Giro's coming up. For people who don't know about the Giro Rosa, what should they expect?
2: It's going to be really hot. (laughs) (laughs) And there'll be long transfers and people will complain about it. Although this year there's a couple of days that are okay as well. But going all the way down to the south of Italy is... It's going to be a long slog for 10 days.
0: Mm -hmm. And the racing is like nothing else in the rest of the season, is it?
2: In most years, it's completely unique in terms of its terrain. It's one of the things that I'm always jealous about photographers in men's cycling is they get a lot more mountains and breathtaking vistas Mm
1: -hmm.
2: to take photos of. Whereas we only get a few opportunities
1: for those typical landscapes on the women's side of the sport mm-hmm. i think last year was my first time that when the giro rosa went up on the mortirolo and i think that was my first time that i photographed a bike race in a proper mountain so yes we are quite starved of of these great vistas and opportunities
0: yeah it's the only race that's over a week isn't it yeah
2: it is yeah now especially the route to france has gone as well The only one above a week. And to be honest, there's been lots of new races in the last couple of seasons. And I think there's enough of them now. (laughs) There's great races every single week. What we need is more longer races. Yeah. It helps tell a story. The women's tour is great, but at five days, it's over as soon as it started.
0: Yeah, yeah. And especially when you have a crit, like, or like with California, these races where the last stages are crit, it's half a race right
2: yeah well i think i'd put in one of the blog posts of the photo galleries in california i was like why can't we have 10 days here <laughs> yeah. 10 days around lake tahoe we could just do laps of
1: it all day <laughs> <out>.
2: <laughs> I,
1: I would support that
0: so if people want to know more about the book where do they go
1: Well, they
2: can go straight to kickstarter.com and search for VeloFocus, or they can check any of our social channels where they'll find a link to the campaign. And there's got a video with us talking quite awkwardly to camera, (laughs) as, as well as plenty of riders who are talking about their favorite photos and why they think you should buy the book.
0: Cool. And what do you get if people don't know what a Kickstarter is? You get different reward tiers. So you can just buy the book or you can just throw a couple of quid at the lovely, lovely, lovely focused chaps. But what rewards do you get?
2: So you can just give us your money if you really want. That's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you actually want something in return, then you can back the book from £35. Mm-hmm. And then if you wanted your name in the book as well, you can get that for just for £5 more at 40 pounds. We then have a couple of options of an album, your name in the book and a print or an album, your name in the book and a calendar at 55 pounds. And then going up after that there are pledges for additional copies of the book. So two albums and two names in the book or an album, your name in the book and a large print. You could get five books if you really wanted to. <laughs> or If you had plenty of money to spare, you could have a photo shoot with us.
0: (laughs) Oh, what does that mean?
2: We'd come and take photos of you and your friends, a location of your choosing in Europe, where we'd do a day doing a photo shoot as if we were for any other client, really. we will come and take photos of you on your favourite roads or trails, pictures of you just generally having fun, as well as lots of copies of the book, of course. (laughs) Excellent.
1: The five-copy option, there was this very, very funny comment on Facebook that I think it was a Swedish chap, and he was talking about Vasca. Essentially, it means that you want to show that you have a lot of money. So you go to a club, and you order two bottles of champagne. <laughs> but you have the second bottle of champagne, just open it. It goes down the drain. You don't drink it. And so he said that's what the five-copy <laughs> pledge is about you order five books you just (laughs) read and enjoy one and you just throw the remaining four in the bin because that's (gasps) that's no
0: no it makes sense for people who are you know say you're living in australia for example and the and the postage is a bit more or whatever it it makes sense for that doesn't it or it makes sense if (laughs) you're a shop or you're a club or you want to give them away as prizes or going in with your mates I, i can see i can see it
2: Yeah, if you club together, obviously, five of you sharing the postage, it reduces the cost significantly if you don't live around the corner from Ballant, for example.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But people can buy all over the world. That's important to say as well. I mean, you two are both based in Britain right now, but people can buy everywhere.
2: Um, Yeah, the the book's available to buy anywhere in the world.
0: And if people aren't aware of Ballant and Sean's work, where do you go to find it? Fellowfocus.com. focus.com and you can also see it on the canyon shram websites and you can see it on balls dolman's galleries on their facebook cervello bigler's one of your clients right who else am i missing silence as well silence pro cycling so yeah so check them out and i love it because it's always fascinates me that even though it's you guys doing this pose for all the teams they always manage to tell a different story every race with each of those galleries and that that makes me really happy. Thank you, Sarah. Go and check him out. If people want to follow you on social media, where are you?
1: We're
2: everywhere as well focus.
0: And if you want to follow Balance Cyclocross side of him in the winter, or the mud and glory of that, you're on cycle photos. Indeed. Everywhere? Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, well, dear listener, please please buy the book. Ignore the fact that they said that I'm contributing to it, but it's going to be a fantastic thing to have. A really beautiful, gorgeous reminder of the season. So please, please buy it. And guys, have a fantastic Giro. Thank you very much. much. Thank you so much. And I guess come back and talk to us when it's, when you've been massively funded and you can talk about how difficult it is having a super successful project.
2: So many books to post. (laughs) So many
1: books
0: to post. All right. thank you so much and uh, good luck in Italy. Thank Thank you. you